Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It may interest you to know. I'm joined today by a best-selling author and musician, Brendan Slocum. Welcome, Brendan. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you for being here. I, I mean, I want to get into your two novels. I've read them both uh, and I love them both. I'm really excited <laughs> to get to talk to you. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about your background first, because I think you come at writing from the very unique perspective of having this really successful career, illustrious <laughs> career going uh, in something else, right? In music, I mean, playing for symphonies. Uh, matter of fact, I believe you're a consultant for the Kennedy Center. Mm -hmm. um, so, so you've really risen to the top uh, in that field, and and suddenly you're you're having this monstrously successful second career to run parallel to it. So. Talk to me about the beginnings of of music for you in your life. Again, thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to speak with you today, Tony. Um, I started my musical journey when I was nine years old uh, through a public school music program. Uh, I started playing violin, uh, and I only did it because we got out of class twice a week. And that was the, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm in 100%. Let's do it. Uh, but I, my teacher saw that I was pretty good and I was enjoying it. I loved it. It was just, it was fun. Um, and I, she began to push me and I, I excelled and, you know, through junior high and high school and it took me to college, you know, it, it gave me opportunities that I would never have had otherwise. So I am a staunch advocate for public school music programs because I am living proof that they do work. And you actually, you play my favorite instrument, the violin. <laughs> oh, I, I try to play it. <laughs> um, so there comes a point in time, I guess, where you must realize, you know, I, I've made a success of this. When, when is that moment for you? I mean, because I get that you're doing it through your youth uh, and it be, sort of becomes your passion, mm -hmm. right? But there has to become a, po a point in time when you're like, yeah, I, I got this. I did it. <laughs> I think for me, that was really when, um, you know, when auditioning for symphonies and, and playing solos and everything, when people would come up to me and say, you were great. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, I just played and it was fun. And, you know, even even in the classroom, when I'm I'm teaching my students, really, that moment sparked for me when the day before, you know, they couldn't play something or the week before, and then they just get it, you know, they put the work in and they get it. It's the best feeling in the world. And I'm like, wow, I feel like I have arrived. Ah, uh, yeah, that is nice. Right. I mean, I, I, I guess it is, I didn't really give that any thought before you said it, but I guess there's the, there's the magic to the moment when you realize you do it well, but then to give that gift to somebody else probably is is just as equally uh, fulfilling. It, it really is. And I'm glad you used the word gift because I, I truly believe that it is a gift, not only to be able to play and to perform, but to be able to appreciate it. And, um, you know, a lot of my students, my former students, they, you know, they are not professional musicians but they hear pieces that we've played when they were in high school. And they, they say to their kids, oh, I played that when I was in high school. And the kids don't believe them. They're like, there's no way you could play that. No, I'm telling you, this is what we did in high school. And I know this, and I know this composer, and this is going to happen, you know, and that's a good feeling as well. And it, it truly is a gift. Now, tell me about your work with the Kennedy Center. Of course, very prestigious. 
Yeah, it was, uh, I actually had a friend who worked there who was, uh, he needed someone who knew music, uh, who was in education. And he said, Brendan, you know, I was like, all right, sure. What project do you need me to work on? And and he gave me, I, I, I can't really say what the project was or, or is, if it's still going, I can't say, but uh, he said, I need you to take this material home analyze it tell me if this is going to work for a certain group of people tell me why and i was like yeah okay so i used my experience in the classroom and with my musical experience and uh I'm, again i can't say what the project was but it was not very good so i said i would not recommend this at all this is not going to work for uh what you have in mind let's let's try something else um so it was a wonderful opportunity to uh put it to use my um my just my experience in music and in education to to be able to help other people through the generosity of the Kennedy Center it's it's a wonderful privilege yeah agreed um so there there comes a point in time i guess when you think I can do something else. I can throw one more ball in the air. <laughs> yeah, because sure, I got plenty of time, totally tons of time to do that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> now, did you get an idea? I guess I'm really fascinated by the creative process, right? So did the idea like bounce around in your brain for a little bit to tell this story? Like you have this story in your head, or did you actively sit down and say, I want to write, I want to write a novel? Well, uh, it was a little bit of both for the violin conspiracy. Um Backing up a bit, I have written things before, you know, short stories, and I'm a songwriter for the band that I'm in. And, uh, you know, even in high school, I would I would write, and I had the privilege of having the same English teacher for both 11th and 12th grade, so she definitely nurtured. And, you know, I would write in college, and 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 uh, I can say this now because the statute of limitations is up, but my friends would ask me to write, you know, some of their papers and everything, and I reluctantly wrote some of them and uh, they all would get fantastic grades on them. And I'm like, all right, okay, I, I may have something here. But it was really because of COVID-19. Um, as a working musician, everything stopped, everything. I, I was in the middle of a wedding reception when we got the call that the next three weddings were completely canceled. And for a working musician, that's how I paid my bills. You know, I no lessons, no recitals, no rehearsals, no concerts, everything totally stopped. So I had plenty of time to focus on on writing. And this story from the day I picked up my violin, I, I will never forget that the I remember it like it was yesterday. It was 40, 45 years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. The day I picked up the violin is when this conglomeration of stories started. Um, and I had always said, you know, this is going to make a really good story one day and I'm going to write it down. And were it not for COVID-19, I probably would have gotten around to writing it maybe, maybe in 2023. Um, but it was always in the back of my head that I wanted to do. That's amazing. Um, now, now, how do you create? Um, is this something where, and I've said it before, I've had other authors on um, who can only create behind the screen, right? They they have to, they absorb the characters in their head. They sit down and their fingers just go. Like they just become, they see and hear the people telling them what to do almost, right? And then there's other people who say, no, I need an outline. I need to know I ever in advance, I pre-plan everything. So I know when I'm writing, I'm just following the, the crumbs, the breadcrumbs I laid out for myself already. How does that work for you? 
again, it's a combination of both. Um, the first couple of uh, things that I tried to write, I just, by the seat of my pants, I just sat down and wrote. And as a result, it was terrible. Uh, some people could do that. I am not one of those people, can't do it. Uh, and and the characters, for me, are really what drive the story. Like in, in The Violent Conspiracy, the protagonist, Ray, he has a story to tell. And if you've got an interesting story, you know, it's it's really easy to, to write everything else. The story pretty much writes itself. Um, but I definitely outline. I've got to have everything. It's like, I think it's my musical training. You know, I, I look at everything in terms of music. You have an overture, you have a middle section, and you have a finale. And, you know, I, I want to be entertained throughout the entire piece. And that's how I try to write. So it's all about preparation for you, really. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. You know, years and years and years of sitting down, practicing for hours and hours and hours has totally prepared me for, you know, this is what you have to do in order to be successful. It's, you know, it's second nature to me at this point. Well, you absolutely have the key, you know, no, no matter how you're creating, uh, you know, you, you have the key because I've read both novels um, the, the first novel is, you know, it's an absolute thrill ride. As you say, he has a story to tell. You are, uh, you're engaged in his tale right from the get-go. Um, you know, I, I, and then along the way, I, you know, you, you think you're figuring it out, uh, which is what <laughs> I like best about your first novel, right? I, I feel like I'm figuring it out, like, as I go, and you just sucker punched me, right? Like, so, <laughs> so I'm not figuring it out. Like, I, you Sorry know, about that. <laughs> right? You're like, you know, no, no, I know. I know. I'm ahead of you. Like, but I wasn't, right? So th I think that makes it sort of interesting. And for me, one of the, like, the true litmus test for a book is I can't put it down, right? Mm -hmm. I find it irresistible. Uh, and those are the authors I really chase, right? Uh, and so I chased you because of that, because I found your book, that was the first thing I'd ever read or even known of you, The Violent Conspiracy. And I read it and I found it absolutely irresistible, right? I couldn't put it down. Oh. Uh, I had to just keep going. I had to find out, <laughs> you know, how does it end? How does it end? <laughs> um, so you really have the key. That's an absolute thrill ride. So I I don't know. When I went into the second novel, I I didn't know what to expect exactly because it's this, this kind of this niche you've created, right? These stories <laughs> surrounding music, mm -hmm. right? Who I, would even think? It's I I had no intention of doing this, but um, being so new to this field, I am such I, I listen and I absorb every bit of feedback that I get. You know, you use what you can use and you discard the rest. But someone actually said your the genre you've created is, is musical thrillers. And I'm like, all right, sure, I will take it. I will absolutely do that. And I was given some fantastic advice to write what you know. And I know music, so it makes perfect sense to me to have everything music-centered. And um, I, I'm, I'm happy that you said what you said about Symphony of Secrets, my second novel. I didn't know what to expect either. And when I wrote it, I totally felt like a failure because, uh, you know, I heard from seasoned authors, they all said the same thing. That second book is the hardest one to write and it's what it is. It's a second book. So I really thought that I had failed the expectations from the violent conspiracy. You know, I just didn't know. Um, so I put it away and, and six months later, right before it was time to turn it in for edits, I read it again. 
And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Believe it or not, I, I like it slightly more than The Violin Conspiracy. It's a totally different story. And I think it really holds true to the genre that I'm, I'm trying to work within the, the musical thrillers. And, you know, my, I'm working on my third book now, and it involves a cellist and witness protection. So I'm, I'm sticking with it. Yeah, and you really have created this niche that I find, I mean, I find fascinating. I have no talent whatsoever myself, right? I don't I think, believe that even, at all. No, even humming a tune, like I get thrown <laughs> off a little bit, you know, so <laughs> I have no no ability. I'm great, you know, I'm great at what I do, you know, I'm great in a courtroom, you know, but I'm not, this is not my thing at all. Uh, I, I like to write, though, too, I like to create, uh, but uh, but I, music isn't my thing, but I'm in awe of people who can create it. Right, because there's everyone remembers truly moments in their life uh, frozen to music. Right, you can always you can play a few bars of anything and remember. Oh, I remember the pain. I remember the joy. I remember the relief. Oh, right, yeah. that swept over me. Um, and and that anything that could connect you so tightly uh, to moments in time. I mean, it's just, a, it's a beautiful thing to give back to the world. Mm -hmm. So I'm in awe of people who can create music. Um, and, and I think like you've taken people with that ability, right. With that ability to create and, and, and to do this and you've, and you've matched them with these really interesting stories. I mean, do you don't, you don't lose anything in the, in these stories. These are some of the best I've read. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm you glad know, I'm for, sitting down for that one. Wow. <laughs> right. Well, for the, for the, yeah, I mean, for, for that, you're writing mystery thrillers. Uh, and, and the second one, what I liked about it I, is, is you sort of weaved a little history in there on us, mm -hmm. right? More, more than the first one. So, because while the first one certainly brings us to his life, uh, you know what I mean? His, your, your protagonist's life or his family's life. I mean, certainly there's that in the first one. But in the second one, it's more of a, you're taking us through, I felt like a period of time mm -hmm. because you have to understand what the world was like to understand how this is happening in your second novel. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that was a lot of fun to do. I, I love history and I think history is so important um, especially nowadays, we, we've got to understand what was going on then so that we, we don't repeat it. And I, I'm a firm, firm believer in um, acknowledgement. If you acknowledge what happened, what's going on, that's the best, best way, way to begin to heal. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think that's, you know, I that's what I didn't know what to expect going into the second novel. And you did, you kind of seamlessly weave this historical like taking us to taking us to a prior time to try to help us understand how it's even possible that he could be investigating <laughs> like well how could this have even happened mm -hmm. right to the to the to, at first blush you think well no right <laughs> <laughs> right but but if you understand the time period of the world and what was going on around suddenly it, it seems like that could be possible mm -hmm. absolutely yeah right and and i think you took us through the story in that way like through helping us understand a different time uh and, you know and i just still thought you, you weave them together seamlessly i like that a lot i'm a little bit of a history buff too awesome. so i have to admit i have to admit you know when you took history and music and thriller uh you know and you put it together and i also like that you're not 
gory for anybody listening. I mean, he's not, <laughs> he's not like a gory writer, right? Because I can't get, I don't get behind that either. I've tried to read thrillers that are a little too much for me and maybe I'm too old. I don't know, but, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, you're, you're not the first person that said that people, when, when they, they, they've read my stuff, they're like, and no, well, I'm not getting, well, and, and there's no blood and guts and yeah. Like okay, yeah, all right. That does is that a prerequisite for you know having a, a good thriller or a good mystery? And you know, a lot of mysteries that I've read, there's always someone getting mutilated someplace. And you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's. It, I think we can do it without uh, without the bloodshed. And it's one of the things I really do love about what you're doing because I'm not really down for gore. I can't watch a scary movie. And if I come across it in a book, even if I'm interested enough to try to get to the end, I honestly find myself flipping through really fast like not to have to read it mm -hmm. uh, and i just prefer i prefer using my mind uh that old agatha christie you know sherlock holmes more sort of um trying to use my mind like to figure it out i so, prefer a clever read yeah those are my role models i i love both of those i love the sherlock holmes stories and agatha christie's one of my absolute favorite writers Oh, I, my my favorite, probably my favorite writer of all time. So I, I'm with you there. I think I've read all of her mysteries. Mm. So so and maybe that's why I'm so drawn to your material, right? Maybe because maybe now finding out that you, you sort of model a little bit after that uh, because it's clever. It's really clever how she writes and I prefer clever. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what I think you've really captured in both your novels. They tie in music. They're both different, uh, you know, but but they're clever. Uh, and you. so I really, I compliment you. You did a beautiful job on both books. I recommend them highly. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Now, where are you the minute you, you hit the bestseller list, right? <laughs> the agent call you or what? I mean, how does that work? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I used to ask early on, you know, how's the book doing? How are we? Is there, are we where we should be? And my agent just straight up told me, he was like, don't ask. If they don't say, if your publishers don't say anything to you, you're doing great. Okay, fine. I didn't ask. Um, and a year after the violin conspiracy came out, uh, my my agent gave me the numbers, and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow, that is um, that's um, that number is much higher than I ever would have thought, and I'm in just in awe. I truly am in awe that people have enjoyed reading this book, and it's just, I mean the smile on my face should tell the entire story. I, I just, I'm, I'm very, very grateful. Well, I would be really surprised. I got to be honest with you. And I'm not, and I'm not pushing for information. I'm not, but I'd be very surprised <laughs> if you didn't get optioned, <laughs> you know, to make a movie out of it, you know, because, because it's, I mean, it's really good. It's, it's really good. Um, so it, it, out of both, I mean, they're very good stories. And I, I think you will just draw an enormous audience from people who like all different things. I mean, you know, you don't have to just like one thing. There's no, multiple things that can draw you to your stories. You're a very good storyteller. Thank you. Um, so there is, so there isn't a moment when you realize you're on the bestseller list. There isn't a moment like you get a phone call and you're like like Tom Cruise sliding across the floor in your <laughs> underwear dancing or anything like that. It's it's every single day, every single day. If if I get a message on Instagram or on Facebook or an email where someone says, "I love the story." That to me, that's it. That that's what really you know gives me the energy, and and I smile, and I'm so happy that someone likes it. 
bestseller or not, it doesn't even make a difference to me. Just the fact that that people are enjoying the story. That's really what, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting a ton of kicks off of that. That that makes me happy. It's it's not even about making a list or, or winning a competition or anything. I don't even care. I'm just happy that people enjoy the story. Sure, to be, and to be reaching so many people with it. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your students. Are you still teaching? I am. I'm actually, uh, I'm teaching three lessons this afternoon and uh, it's, it's really challenging. I just had to give up two students because I'm away so much with the traveling and the book promotion and the writing and, and interviews and everything. So um, consistency is really, really tough to come by. Um, mm -hmm. But the ones who are really sticking with me, you know, I, I haven't seen these students uh, for about a month and a half. So they're either, go either going to be extremely prepared today for their lessons or we're going to have to go back to the drawing board. But I think they're going to be ready today. Do you do you feel like um, equally as fulfilled when you're sitting down writing a book as you do when you know you nail, you know, you nail a piece with your violin? Ooh. That's a great question. Um, I'm going to take, oh, okay, I'll say this. I am a musician first. I am a violinist first, a, a teacher, you know, before a writer. I just happen, I'm a teacher and a musician who happened to write a couple of books that people like. That That's how I look at it. Uh, my that's first love is is playing and I wouldn't be in this interview right now were it not for my my instrument. So that's always going to be my my first love. Wow, that's interesting. Um, do you remember the first time you wrote your own piece of music? Oh, like it was yesterday. <laughs> um, and I, it was actually a song that I'd written for, for the band. And uh, I was terrified. I was thrilled. I was excited. I was, you know, it, it was, it was a scary thing because you are, I, I learned to be vulnerable. You know, I'm putting myself out mm -hmm. there. These are my words. This is my music, my rhythms, you know, and I, I, I did it initially for myself, but I'm hoping that other people will actually get enjoyment from it. And if they do awesome. And if they don't, I got to do something different. You know, I, I have to make it better. And so it was, it was thrilling. Um, and, and people liked it. I am happy to say people actually like that. Uh, they they still talk about that song. What about that song? You know, I'm really happy about uh, some of the stuff that I've written. I remember that first song like it was yesterday. What kind of music do you perform? I am on violin. I'm I'm strictly classical. You know, I will delve into bluegrass every now and then. Uh, I love bluegrass music. One because it's extremely challenging to play. Um, classical stuff. You know, that's what I I was trained in, and I I love the classical uh, repertoire. Um, and for everything else, I play keyboards and I'm the singer and songwriter in my alternative rock band. Wow. So I didn't even realize you, you do a lot. You have a lot of, you're juggling there a lot. <laughs> a lot. I'm dropping a lot of things, but I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> Is the, I mean, violin, I assume based upon how you expressed yourself earlier is your favorite, but am I wrong? No, not at all. I love it. I, you know, that's, that's my baby. That's what got me to where I am. And I, if I didn't love it, I would not do it. I learned early on that if you're not, if you're, if you're going to do something, do it to the absolute best of your ability. Don't halfway do something. It's a waste of time. And I love it so much. I'm willing to put in the work. You know, I put in the hard work. I put in the hours of practice. I put in the research time. Um, and it's definitely worth it. I love it. I, I, I'm here right now because of it.
You're now I have to know this. It's it's an oh. odd question, but I have to know. <laughs> Do you have a story behind your first violin? <laughs> uh well, I have had several instruments over the years. Um, my very first violin, and I'm not going to recommend this, you know, people are going to hear this, uh, any uh, violinists are going to hear this and they're going to be like, wow, Brendan, what were you thinking? Um, my dad actually got my first violin. It was, a, I think it was a, a milling violin, you know, in a hard black plastic case. And it was in October in North Carolina. So it was pretty cold. And the night before the first class, you know, he showed it to me and it was in the trunk of his car. And uh, anyone who plays an instrument knows that the trunk of the car is not the place for a wooden instrument. I just didn't know. And and just holding it and, and seeing it and smelling it. And it was just had that new instrument smell. And it was just uh, you smell like varnish. And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful instrument. And, you know, over the years, I've, I've gotten better instruments in my senior year of high school. Um, I had a professional level violin. It was a 1953 Eugene Lehman violin. And uh, I was going to, it was the first one that I owned outright. It was, it was a professional instrument and it sounded great. And I sounded great on it. And it was going to take me to college and take me on my professional career. That was the way to go. And it was stolen right before I graduated from high school. And I was devastated. So in the violin conspiracy, the theft is based on that violin. And uh, if anyone's playing on a 1953 Eugene Lehman violin, I won't say anything. You could happily return it to me and I will call it even. I won't say anything, I promise. <laughs> so you really were able to capture the emotions of that so oh, yeah. well because you had experienced it. Definitely real. And, you know, I, I don't really think that I encapsulated how much of a struggle that was just to walk into that room every day and know that my instrument wasn't there. You know, I, I, I never wish that feeling on anyone. Um, but yeah, it, it was everything that, that you read in the story. It was real, a hundred percent real. Had you restored that violin? Had you done, because I, you know, you really capture with a lot of detail in the violin conspiracy, the process of getting a violin that needed restoration uh, and, and I think taking it through to that point that you made it, you know, you ultimately make it what it becomes and what it is for you in the, in the, the your protagonist in the story. Was there a time that you did do that in real life, that you took a violin that was in bad condition and restored it? I did not. Nothing that, that was nothing that was in as bad a shape as Ray's violin. Um, I've had older instruments, you know, they needed some work, of course, but nothing to that extent. You know, they're, they're general repairs that need to be made, but uh, nothing, nothing to that extent. Uh, I don't know that I would have the uh, time or energy to uh, restore something, you know, I, but, you know, I could be missing out. Who knows? I'm, I'm happy with, with the instruments that I have someone else restored them for me. And I'm, I'm very happy about that. So ultimately that high school violin is the violin you, you sort of long for. And that's what you're, you know, you, you, yeah, because it came through in the book. I, I mean, you could have captured it anyway, just fictionalizing it. But you know, you, you drew the reader into the emotion of that moment. I thought really well. Thank you. Um, it so was real. I wondered, <laughs> so I wondered, like, if you if you had any similar experiences. But it's it's you know, for anybody I think who's been in your in your shoes, when you get attached to I think almost anything, and it doesn't have to be music. Uh, it could be anything. It could be 
some keychain that your your mother gave you, you know, mm-hmm. when you're young and you're just attached to having it with you or yeah. uh, I mean, I think your attachment to something, but especially something that you love and makes you feel a certain way. And I mm-hmm. think your violin helped you feel a certain way. Uh, I think every every child who first you know, falls in love with music, right? And and starts to get good at playing music and it becomes their passion. I I I think that they get that attachment to having their instrument with them. Yeah, it's like it's like an extension of your body. It it really is. And you know, it it it, it truly feels like I'll never forget the day that that I discovered that it was gone. It was like a, a piece of me just was ripped away and you know, that, that, that hole has gotten smaller, but it's still there. You know, it's just, I'll never see that instrument again. Well, I might, but chances are, I won't ever see it again. And, you know, I'm always going to have a spot, you know, for that instrument because it was supposed to do so much for me and it was mine. It was mine. I worked for it and it was mine and someone else has it now. And, you know, okay, I'm, I got to get it together. Okay. (laughs) Right. Well, you know what? In in indirectly, that person did you a favor, right? Because he maybe he planted a seed that later becomes this, you know. That is a good way to look story. at it. I'm gonna start looking at it that way. Yeah, that, that's good. I'll do that. All <laughs> right. Right. He plants the seed that becomes this monstrously successful story and sets you down a path of yet an additional career to be good at. <laughs> I should be thanking that guy. (laughs) To a certain extent, right? I mean, I think we live by our experiences Mm -hmm. in life. I know I'm not, I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think with each event or each experience that you have, right, it molds you a little bit and, and sometimes it gives you ideas. I love the process of collaborative creativity. Mm -hmm. uh, Right. And I always talk about this, you know, where you have a screenplay, for example, uh, and that, you know, you had the writer who created the paper version of that character, but then you have an actor who comes along and like breathes life into paper person, oh, right? Oh, yeah. And gives, them, yeah. gives them new and nuances and, and quirks maybe that become part of, you know, making that person alive off the paper. Mm-hmm. And then you have your visual story letter, right? Your storyteller, your cinematographer, your director kind of visually weaves you through the tale. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think at the end, when you see the movie or the, the the TV show, whatever, it's such a collaborative thing to create. Sometimes a masterpiece. Let's face yeah. it. Yeah. Whereas writing a novel is somewhat isolated, hmm. right? You are on your own in the early stages, certainly. While you may have an editor or somebody, you're not getting the opportunity to bounce ideas off of someone is in, in a group and you're not, there isn't somebody else who's going to pick up the baton unless of course you get optioned and it turns into a movie. <laughs> <laughs> but but right but right now when you're creating the, this hard-covered book that's going out into the world, um, you are an island to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And you know that's that's not as easy. I think to create like that, to create in a place where you're doing it on your, of course, there's nobody to criticize you and change. You, so maybe that has its own merit. <laughs> I, I I agree with that. Um, you know, with the, one of the interesting things about um, the, the writing process for me is I actually found that I was looking for critique and criticism as a musician, you know, I'm in a lesson and my teacher will tell me, Brendan, you need to do this differently. You need more of this, less of this. I'm totally accustomed to hearing that. 
Um, and same thing with the writing, you know, I would let people read here, read this for me. Tell me what you think. Is this boring? Is this entertaining? Do you want more or less of this? What would you like to see, you know, as a reader? And I, I've, I've run into a lot of writers and, and people who are trying to get published. And I, you know, I ask what they're writing and they tell me, I said, oh, I'd love to read it. Oh, well, I have to wait until it's good. And I'm like, well, uh, okay, that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. This is how you make it better. Uh, a lot of people are actually afraid of criticism and critique, whereas I welcome it. I think we need it in order to get better. It's it's how we learn to get better. And you know, I'm I'm I guess I'm an odd duck in that way. I I totally want the critique. I want the criticism. I want people's thoughts on on what it is that I'm writing because I want them to be entertained. So there comes a point in time then when you write your novel that you do let other people give you some feedback, right? You 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 should put it out in the world and let, you know, a friend or a family member, whoever, uh, you know, take a look, tell me what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, I, I mentioned when, when I write initially, you know, I'm writing a story, but it's not for me. I'm not going to keep it to myself. I want people to read it because I want them to be entertained. These are stories I like to think that that really do need to be told. And if you're going to tell a story, it's got to be entertaining and interesting. And the only way you're going to find out if it's entertaining and interesting to your audience is to get that feedback, to let them read it. And, uh, you know, I've changed, I've scrapped so many, so many chapters because, you know, people have read it and, yeah, this is trash. I, this is boring. I don't like this. And then I'll go back and reread. Yeah, you know what? I agree because of X, Y, and Z. And then I make the changes. And you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm a full collaboration uh, writer when it comes to having people read my stuff all the time. Before it's ended, before you've gotten to the end, do you let it out or is it after you've gotten a first full draft? Oh, I, I do maybe five chapters at a time. I'll let someone read it here, read this. And, you know, is, is this boring? Does it need to, you know, is the pacing good? Are you, you know, are, are you, how do you feel when you read this? Is it entertaining to you? That's, that's the big question that I, I always ask people. Is it entertaining? Do you want more? You know, sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes it's no, this is terrible. <laughs> you know, what would be really interesting, it would be really interesting for me, I think, is that, as I, if I got for five chapters in, and, and this is my issue, I realize that I'd just be dogging you for what happens next. <laughs> That's right? a good thing. That's a great thing, actually. <laughs> right. I'm not very good at like stopping in the middle of a story. <laughs> <laughs> That's how right. you know when you've hooked someone, if they really want more, what's next? What's next? <laughs> right. Now, in your, but for you, in your mind, you sort of know. Like, you know who the bad guy is going to be before you start writing, even, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Do you ever change it? Ever deviate? Like, oh, ever my gosh. Start? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, for, for Violent Conspiracy, I think I had five different endings, you know, five. And then the one that I decided on, ultimately, I figured it would have the most impact. But, yeah, there are several, several endings and several bad guys. And, uh, yeah, I changed around a lot. And in all of your books, I thought you created a very interesting panel of, I call them supporting cast, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? In a TV show, they'd be supported, the supporting actors, <laughs> right? I thought that you created great supporting cast, you know, supporting characters who came into the story and, you know, one way or another made it, uh, it just made it a little bit more interesting, mm -hmm. uh, right? Because you always have sort of the sane person, right, going through <laughs> your story. <laughs> like your protagonist is usually pretty normal, at least in the two stories I've read, uh, right, <laughs> going through. And then just, 
<laughs> coming across a lot of people who are just quirky or odd or interesting or different or mean or <laughs> you know whatever the case may be but you know just weaving through dealing with these other people and mm -hmm. i thought that was nice a very nice touch i like that in a book i like great supporting characters even though they have a small role mm -hmm. there's some i'd argue that there are some people who've created stories for me that are multi-part i don't know how else to say it like they uh you know you you you, they carry the same characters through maybe you know in five four three whatever novels uh telling more stories with that person you know mm -hmm. as the as the person going through uh and i look forward to even if someone's going to pop in for one chapter and you're like oh jamie's back <laughs> like, you know i look forward to that so i really do kind of like that as part of the process for me as part of what makes me enjoy a book and i thought you did a really nice job with that Thank you. I, I'm a firm believer, and I learned this from a, a drama teacher when, when I was teaching high school, uh, the drama instructor. Um, I, I learned from her that there is no such thing as a small character. Every single person has a role. Um, you know, in, in play production, she would do there. Everybody had a name. There was every single uh, actor had a name, you know, and, and they were all important. So I really took from that i'm like okay you know there's why what's the point of putting a character in a book if they're not going to have some impact um and so i try to get even if it's a small impact they will have some sort of impact to the story yeah move the ball forward i agree mm -hmm. absolutely you, they, your characters did everybody sort of moved the ball forward in one way or another so tell me about your students do they uh do they know i mean do most of them familiar like now they, they're like you're like some a big shot now and they're all <laughs> it's it's the funniest thing uh the the younger kids you know the first thing that they uh, are you famous now and i'm like <laughs> no i'm still that same guy and you know, I, 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 I've been teaching these kids for five, six years now, and, you know, I, I, I see them every week and it's no big deal. And then when the book comes out, all of a sudden pictures and Instagram and autographs, and I was like, what are you talking about? I'm going to see you next week. No, this, I, you still are responsible for having this piece learned next week. I, I don't want to hear it. No, there's nothing famous going on here. This is just a lesson. So it's, it's, it's funny. I, it's, it's, it's flattering and it's funny. Yeah, I would think, I mean, right, because suddenly the, the person who's teaching you, you're seeing for your lessons every week or, you know, who is your teacher, and then suddenly you're reading about them, you know, in, in all these different, you know, publications or, you know, on uh, on social media, certainly as well. Uh, and I know you go into the bookstore and see the setup at Barnes & Noble, right? And I'm thinking like, you're like, wait. That name's awfully familiar. <laughs> I think like, I know that guy. I think he yelled at me for missing an F sharp yesterday. Yeah, is that him? <laughs> right, you're like, is that you? Like, I would think you know, you're getting to a certain point where they're, you, I mean, now do they treat you with a sense of awe or it's just like, I, wait, I'm not going to treat you any differently. Like this, are you, are you getting more? Uh, I, in the beginning, absolutely. Like a year ago, it was, you know, the, the parents more so than the kids. The kids are... You know they they get what their parents give to them and it's it's you know in the beginning it was pictures and autographs and everything and the parents are a little bit in awe the kids are just kind of like oh you know maybe i need to practice this a little bit more i don't want to get you know i don't want to have a bad lesson but uh it is it's very very flattering and um i you know i'm just happy that they see me as their teacher i just want to be their teacher and i want to see them succeed uh in their lessons that that's all i'm looking for you know i think 
I'm just, it's such a privilege to meet you, honestly, because I, I feel like there ought to be more people in the world, because uh, you, you're like, just like you, I mean, you're, you're a great role model, Oh, uh, right, to, to put yourself out there to say, look, <laughs> you know, I started off with a, a, a small passion for music, and, you know, I, I fed that passion, and I stuck with something, and sticking with something, and not giving up through, let's face it, everybody gets kicked around, right, oh, I'm yeah. sure, we didn't get into it, but I'm sure your journey wasn't all, <laughs> you know, bells and banjos and flowers, you know, covering your path, right, there are days that I'm sure you just felt like, why am I doing this, I want to run away screaming where nobody knows me, right, everybody is <laughs> like that. And, and you'll read about those days when I write my memoir, you will definitely be like, wow, I have a friend in Australia, Australia, I, I I play an online game and and uh, one of my friends after he read the book he was just like Brendan how are you this nice a guy after going through everything that you've been through that I'm reading about and I'm like dude you know it's uh, I have a choice everything is a choice I can be bitter my entire life or I could make lemon lemonade out of lemons and I choose to make lemonade I, you know I choose to be happy I choose to be optimistic about things and you know that's that's what i want i think we're put here to be happy i don't think we're supposed to be miserable and a lot of times it's a choice sometimes it's unavoidable but you know i look at it as a choice and i choose to be happy and to be optimistic and to spread you know optimism for everyone if i can do it anyone can do it i am living proof of that well i love that i really do and and i think i think that's a great role model for children because you're in a position to influence children mm -hmm. uh especially children with talent um you know this is and i don't want this to come off the wrong way at all but a lot of times kids who have that level of talent or passion they tend to be shy right mm -hmm. painfully shy uh to the point where they don't maybe seek out friendships as much you know they they tend to focus more on their uh on their craft uh, and they don't even know how to begin, like f forming a social network. Uh, maybe that comes a little easier as you get older. Um, so I think that to see somebody who did that, who, who started off with maybe that same passion and made such success out of it, uh, and, and encourages them to help create and show how worthy creating music can be and how sticking with it can be, and how you, it's never too late to go into a bunch of different interests. That This generation needs that, mm -hmm. right? It needs to see role models who are into creating and, and creating in all different ways. I agree. Say, create music, create books, you know, who knows what you'll be doing next. Next time I'll have you back on the <laughs> podcast, you'll be, you know, you'll be painting <laughs> or sculpting or something. We'll be talking about that. Yeah, you're tossing some good ideas out. I might have to uh, act on some of those with, with all the free time that I have. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think like to be able to chase, you know, a, a dream, to be able to create in all different ways, it says a lot. I, I you know, admire creative people and I, I think... And I think putting yourself out there like that as a role model, trying to influence kids, you know, to find the find their passion and to yeah. practice and stick with it. I would think you get a lot of kids who don't want to stick with it. And to oh, say, yeah. look what happens when you stick with it. <laughs> it's, you know, and, and I tell the parents when the parents are considering, you know, allowing their kids to quit. But I have never met a child who has grown up and said to their parents, thank you so much for letting me quit piano lessons. Thank you for allowing me to drop the violin. I'm so much better off because of it. Never, ever, ever happens. And, you know, I, I, I want it to be fun. But at the same time, I want them to to learn those lessons, you know, um, just just 
stick with it. If you say you're going to do something, do it and work hard. If it's worth having, it's worth working for. And, you know, that lesson is really lost nowadays, especially with, with, you know, just everything that's going on with kids. I want them to be able to get that lesson and live the rest of their lives utilizing those lessons. And, and, uh, you know, like I said, if I can do it, anybody can do it. I'm living proof that it does work. If you work hard, it works. Well, agreed. I agree. I, anything you work hard at eventually happens for you. If you stick with it, it happens. Yeah. Uh, and you'll never know how close you are to achieving your goals until, you know, yeah. until you give up, right? You'll never <laughs> realize you could have been like a touch away. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I'm in agreement. Now you're still working on a third novel. I am. I am. Um, I'm, I'm working on my, my, my next book right now. And uh, I'm, I'm writing every day. And my goal is to be done by August so that I can go on a much needed vacation. You going to throw me any spoilers? Um, I would just say it's, it's, it's music centered again, a, a cellist and, and witness protection and uh, no blood, no gore. I'll say that, but um, it's going to be, it's a good book. It's going to be it's a fun ride. <laughs> it's definitely going to be a fun ride. Definitely. Well, I hope you'll come back, uh, you know, when you're, when the new book comes out, I'd like to, when I, I get a chance to read it, I hope you come back and talk to me about it. If this is an official invitation, I am accepting. <laughs> Thank you. It is an official invitation. I'm, I'm anxiously Done. awaiting your third book and I'll, and I'll gobble it up right away and, and you'll come <laughs> back and talk to me. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Again, it was a, really a privilege to get to meet you. You're, you know, you're so, uh, you know, eloquent and uh, just such a, I think, an example uh, to kids. And I, and I love people who try to make a difference for kids. And I think that's great. Thank you. I, I thank you so much. You know, I, I had those people in my life who, who believed in me and, and wanted me to do well. And I am just returning the favor. I'm paying it forward. Everybody needs a good mentor, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Anybody who hasn't read his book, I'll put the link to his, uh, to his, um, website really that's probably the best place to get information uh you know i think you have the links to all the different places you can yeah, buy all of my up. social media bookstores everything yeah. yeah so i'm gonna put his website link if you haven't read one of his books please just run out don't even don't even finish the end just go out <laughs> <laughs> and go and get one of the books he's well worth it you're gonna enjoy it so thank you thank you for being here and on that i'm gonna close the podcast out thank you appreciate it Bye, everyone